श्री कृष्णा नमामृता चंद्र प्रभा ध्वस्तमो भरया गौरंग देवाचार्य तस्म नमो नम sort of go through the the contents a little bit just so that we have an idea of what's to come so we can see here in chapter 1 is lord chaitanya's prediction so that's quite an exciting thing we don't want to spoil anything but then um as we go into chapter 2 we'll learn about narottam das thakur's birth and youth in chapter 3 it will be um his journey to braj as he enters and um in chapter 4 sort of an exciting uh, moment as um narottam das thakur becomes the first bhakti shastri student <laughs> and um jiva goswami has a request for him in chapter 5 he goes into a pilgrimage we've got a little festival going on here some preaching activities some sharing of krishna consciousness and then in chapter 8 is the final pastime so it's it's not too long of a book it's only um i guess if you include the end notes 275 pages so we should be through this in no time <laughs> but i just wanted to say as well that um for me it's it's always more about the experience than the actual goal so even if we just read one chapter of this book but really go deep into it that that would be a success i don't know if you agree rasa <laughs> yeah for sure any small part of the vaishnavacharya's life is can change ours entirely <laughs> mhm So um we'll go ahead and get started with the introduction. Uh let's see what Oh, is this two pages? That's interesting. It's interesting. Got... Is it better just like this, huh? Yeah. Okay, perfect. So we can go ahead and get started with the introduction. Okay. To explain the origins of this book I have to go back to the early 1980s when I had the good fortune of serving part-time at the Institute for Vaishnav Studies in New Delhi. My dear friends Dayananda and Nandarani were heading up the institute's work, focusing primarily on acquiring and translating old Vaishnav texts and gathering biographies of Vaishnav saints. Intrigued by the project, I volunteered to help in my spare time typing, editing and doing whatever I could. Through this service through the service I developed a keen interest in the lives of the saintly personalities who have shaped Gaudiya Vaishnav history. Unfortunately, the institute eventually dissolved. But my interest was piqued, so I considered how I could continue to immerse myself in these histories. I thought I could write a series of books for young adults about the lives of the acharyas using the materials I had acquired in my service with the institute. This would serve my purpose to remain absorbed and provide inspirational literature for devotee youth. Inspired by the prospect, 
I started with the life of Srila Narottam Das Thakur. I had recently edited newly translated versions of Narottam Vilas and Prema Vilas for the Institute and had become captivated by his story. I felt that his remarkable life filled with challenges, adventure and divine encounters would likely catch the interest of young readers. I studied various accounts of Narottam's life gathering information in the hope of weaving a story that would convey the nature and qualities of this great personality, who is one of the most significant acharyas in our Gaudiya Vaishnava line. The more I read, the more questions arose, and the more I felt the need to explore further. Fitting together the pieces of the puzzle of the Thakur's life became a kind of spiritual hobby. Gradually, the book I was writing changed into something no longer exclusively for young people. This was a story anyone might relish. While researching Narottam's life, I quickly found that ascertaining historical facts was difficult. Leelas were recorded in various ways, timelines conflicted, and there were large gaps in the storyline. It became clear that history in our Western linear sense of it was not as important to those who had recorded Narottam's story. Historians of Vedic thought have always noted that the Vedic literature and Indian thought in general places less emphasis on chronology, chronologies and more on the emotional and philosophical content of the histories they tell. So, rather than strive for precise historical data, I tried to extract details from a variety of sources that would bring out the personality, mood and mission of Narottam Thakur. In doing so, I often paraphrased the leelas in my own words or added background information to make something more informative and understandable for my readers. I finished writing this book about 25 years ago. It was an enlivening exploration for me, but when it came time to acquire artwork and then get the layout done, I began to drag my feet. As a side note, I remember as a kid sitting with my mom and looking through endless, endless amounts of pictures and her not being happy with any of them for years on end. <laughs> so she, when she said she dragged her feet, she really, really did. <laughs> yes. Other services came to the foreground and I slowly lost interest in publishing. In the meantime, new books on the life of Nartan Das Thakur were published in English, making it seem unnecessary to publish my own. Consequently, the manuscript sank into the shadowy depths of my computer, only to be brought out for special occasions, and my dream of a series of books faded away. So why publish now? One reason is that a number of devotees who have read or heard me speak from the manuscript have urged me to print it. I'm printing now simply to honor their requests. By the primary, but the primary reason I am finally printing this text is that over time, I have come to deeply appreciate just how beneficial for our spiritual development it is to learn about the history of our Sampradaya and to form attachments to our spiritual predecessors. This awareness dawned on me gradually as I explored the life of Shilanartan Das Thakur. Through the, that meditation, he no longer seemed a distant historical figure but a real, relevant, and palpable presence, a shelter, and inspiration. These feelings were amplified when I had the opportunity to speak about his life. Seeing the devotees captivated and enlivened by his story helped to increase my appreciation for both Narottam Das Thakur and the devotees who were inspired by him. 
Thus the purifying power of such immersion became more evident and gave me a taste of the satisfaction that arises from the awareness that we are all connected, sheltered, and surrounded by the blessings of some of the greatest personalities who have ever walked the earth. By the grace of Srila Prabhupada, we do have an intimate connection with the previous acharyas in our line, and cultivating that nourishing connection by reflecting on the life and teachings of saints like Narottam Das Thakur, attachment for them grows and our lives are truly enriched and inspired. According to Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, forming such attachment is the very root of the tender creeper of divine love. If we root our devotional creepers in such attachments, all things are attained. The songs of Srila Narottam Das Thakur bring with such conviction, Chadaya Vaishnava Seva, even Krishna himself says, only a person who claims to be the devotee of my devotee is actually my devotee. To quote His Holiness Radhana Swami, in bhakti, it's not what you know, but who you know. <laughs> to get to know Nartan Das Thakur is to meet a true spiritual hero. His life is an epic tale of one of the greatest pioneers of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission. He was the trailblazer in spreading Krishna consciousness. His compassion was so great that despite opposition, prejudice, and even hatred, he persevered. Though that through the power of his devotion, he broke the bonds of stifling social traditions to bring the message of Lord Chaitanya to the broadest audience possible, from Dakoits to Brahmanas. By encapsulating the deepest and highest truths in simple Bengali song, he opened the door of bhakti to the common man. Shilanartam Das Thakur is the person Bhagavad. He demonstrated the highest levels of attainable love along with the humility and determination required to reach such heights. Example is better than precept. We all need heroes. But what good are the type of heroes we encounter in myth and fiction? Who needs Superman or Wonder Woman? Rather, we need heroes who inspire us to give up our materially conditioned nature and to break free from the modes of material nature. We need heroes that teach us to seek out our highest potential as servants of the Supreme Lord. Shalanartam Das Thakur is just such a hero. Where would we be today if he had not made such monumental efforts? His songs resound in thousands of temples and homes around the world, and people from all walks of life are given entrance into the highest spiritual understanding. His dedication paved the way for bhakti to spread through the ages, and daily we receive his mercy as we associate with him through his profound songs of devotion. We certainly owe him a great debt of gratitude. To develop awareness of this and to feel that gratitude deeply is to create fertile ground for love to sprout in our hearts. These are the reasons I've, I've finally decided to print this book. The glories of Shilinaratam Das Thakur are so vast and sublime that there can never be too much said about him. We can go on hearing about him again and again from different angles of vision and always be benefited. My words here are only a modest attempt at praising him, as a bird can, fly, uh, can only fly as high as its capacity can take it. My spiritual realization and writing capacity are very limited, and this book therefore has many imperfections. Still, if even one person feels closer to Narottam Das Thakur after reading it, I will consider my endeavor worthwhile. Sitala Das. That was incredible. Thank you. Um, 
We have a very special announcement to make, but we're going to leave that. We're going to leave the exciting news to the end of today's session. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's so true what she was saying about how you know, we have all these modern superheroes. And at some point, you just lose interest or they, they become sort of boring. It's sort of the same repetitive stuff. But here's a real hero, someone that actually existed, someone whose uh, example we can follow. And so it's it's very exciting to be uh, delving deep into Naritam Das Thakur's life and mood and service. So thank you, Rasa. Thank you. <laughs> um, I guess we'll get started with um, chapter one. We, we did pretty good, huh? 15 yeah. minutes for the introduction. Really good. <laughs> Great reader. Um, chapter one, Lord Titania's prediction. Okay. Chattering monkeys scampered through the trees. Gawking, what does gawking mean? Sort of like what they do in India when they really stare at you like, <laughs> you know, and you're that one white person in the crowd and everyone just turns and stares at you. Stare openly and stupidly. <laughs> we'll, we'll be learning some English as well. <laughs> Gawking curiously at the group of bright-faced devotees jubilantly singing the Lord's holy names. The Kirtan party slowly wound its way through the lush green countryside. Their sweet, melodious chanting echoing through the thick canopy of palm and coconut trees. Can you chant together? Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama, Rama. Losing themselves in the joy of the kirtan, the devotees chanted with full absorption, their voices brimming, sorry, with full absorption, their voices brimming with devotion. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu danced in the center of the devotees, his radiant golden body swaying gracefully to the beat of the pulsating drums. As they walked, the Murdanga players quickened the beat. The brass cartelas chimed in time, flashing the morning sunlight. <laughs> Powerful waves of ecstasy surged through the kirtan party as Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu raised his long, graceful arms and leaped into the air. The devotees surrounded him, dancing with wild abandon. Their bare feet pounding the soft ground, raising clouds of dust. This sort of paints a picture of um, Navajit Mandal Parikram, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Really does. It was early morning. Um, suddenly, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu stopped dancing. Standing motionless, he stared intently into the distance and fervently called, Naratam, Naratam. His body trembled and tears poured from his eyes with uncontrollable force. Overwhelmed with ecstatic love, he grabbed on to Nityananda Prabhu for support. 
but then collapsed to the ground and rolled in the dust, crying again and again, Nartam, Nartam. Bewildered by the Lord's sudden outbursts, the devotees stopped singing. Glancing at each other with uncertainty, they gathered around the Lord and softly sang the holy names, waiting for his ecstatic trance to abate. Kneeling, Srinathananda Prabhu whispered sweet, pacifying words to the Lord's ear. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, however, simply threw his arms around Nityananda Prabhu's neck and continued to cry. Worried, Sri Nityananda Prabhu turned to Brakeshwara and Haidas. I've never seen him shed so much profuse tears. Hoping to revive the Lord, Brakeshwara led the devotees in loud chanting the name of Lord Jagannath. Hearing this, the Lord regained his composure. Sitting up, he wiped the tears from his eyes and motioned to Nityananda Prabhu to come closer. Nitai, he whispered. You know that Sankirtan is everything to me. It is my very life. I want everyone in this world to taste the nectar of the holy name. But soon you and I will leave this world. Who will spread this chanting after we are gone? Who will keep the flame of love I have brought into the world burning? Before I leave, I must empower someone to carry on this wonderful Sankirtan movement. I have such a wealth of love of God and I must leave it with someone. But who is qualified to inherit such riches? I think this is such a, a powerful point, isn't it, Rasa? Because yeah. Um, they, they say that the first thing you should do when you start a business is set out an exit strategy. Who's, who's going to take over once you finish? Because it's, it's good to um, meditate on our mortality. We're not going to be here forever. And I think this is also relevant for ISKCON, the institution, to, to consider. <laughs> for sure what's going to happen in the years to come. And I guess that's also why we, we, all, we felt inspired to as sort of the, the next generation to do a little something, to have a little Yeah, something. well, it's, it's also kind of comforting to see that like, even Mochi Tanner was sort of faced with this question, you know, that we all have at the moment, even he was thinking, oh dear, I'm going to leave and what's going to happen, you know? Yeah. So it's sort of like the, you know, the theme of our times at the moment, all of our you know, senior proper disciples are slowly leaving us and everyone's wondering, you know, who's, <laughs> who's going to step up and make sure that everything goes on properly. But it's, it's definitely comforting to see that it's something that, you know, even God <laughs> had to think about a little and plan for in his time. And as we can see through like, you know, the different generations of our acharyas, they all had to do the same thing. So, you know, our situation was not unique. And we just have to find the spiritual tejas to carry on with it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm also inspired. Um, I think Padmakshi is still with us on the call. And he, he lives in a, a community in Belgium called Radadesh, which is sort of like 
become a kirtan hub over the past years. And I think it's, it's attracted so many thousands of people to Kirtan because the um, sort of leadership there have empowered the youth to, to sort of do a lot of things. So Padma runs the restaurant, Manu runs the festivals, Rabi um, runs all the design there, um, Sita runs the uh, guest house and and sort of all the youth are very much engaged in um, in service. So it's it's a very um, attractive thing, actually. Like if, if Lord Chaitanya was like, um, I'm going to do this for the for the rest of my life or, or for, you know, for the rest of eternity. And I don't want anyone's help. Then people would be like, OK, you know, you do you. <laughs> but because he's he's offering this uh opportunity to everyone then it becomes a very attractive thing like krishna told arjuna in the gita this war is already fought um is already won but you can take credit for it if you want to yeah and Prabhupada said a similar thing i can't remember the quote exactly but someone had asked him once why didn't Lord Chaitanya just liberate everybody and mm -hmm. he said something similar because he left it for me <laughs> <laughs> Wow. And I, I just wanted to also, um, because we're putting this out on YouTube and uh, Spotify, etc. Uh, for those of you that don't know who Sri Chaitanya is, then um, for, for many people, he was considered a, a saintly person. But specifically for those in, in the Bhakti tradition, he's said to be a direct avatar or incarnation of Krishna who came to um, share the, the chanting of the holy name um, to help us out in this uh, in this dark age of Kali where everything's so difficult, everything's so quarrelsome. Um, there's so many different problems. I don't need to tell you about them. We've experienced them this year. And chanting really makes everything so much easier. Um, if you haven't experienced chanting, then um, I suggest you do so. <laughs> there's, there's some really great kirtans out there, including um, those of Janavi, Janavi Harrison, you can look her up. So we're, we're plugging in different friends here to, um, to help with our spiritual progress. Um, okay, so let's, let's continue. Sorry for that long um, detour. <laughs> My Lord, said Nityananda softly. So Nityananda is Sri Chaitanya's elder brother. You know everything. Only you can answer that question. Is there anyone capable of carrying your mission? Who is worthy of inheriting your love? Yes, Nitai, there is someone. His name is Nartam. Nartam? Nityananda Prabhu asked, who is Narata? Just a few minutes ago, you were calling his name and crying so hard, I feared for your life. But I don't know of anyone named Narata among your associates. Narata has not yet appeared in this world, the Lord replied. But soon he will take birth nearby on the other side of the Padmavati River in the town of Keturi. 
Narutam will be such a wonderful devotee that every word coming from his mouth will be filled with love of God. And anyone who sings his praises will certainly attain love of God. If I leave my love with him, it is certain that the nectarian ocean of Sankirtan will continue to flood the universe. Wow. So I, I guess that's what we're doing here. We're praising Nartam. <laughs> Puzzled, Nityananda inquired, but if Nartam has not yet been born, how will you give him your love? Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu smiled. Tomorrow, I will enter the Padmavati River and deposit my love for Nartam to receive in the future. At the appropriate time, you must, you must guide Naratam to the riverbank to collect the divine treasure that awaits him. The Lord then stood and resumed his chanting. Quick question, uh, Rasa. Where is the Padmavati River? Uh, I think it's just over the border in Bangladesh. Okay. So very close to where we are, because we are, uh, I mean, I'm in Mayapur right now, so that's actually we're here very close to Bangladesh, and I think the Padma River is just uh, either on the border or just on the other side. Okay, and have you been to Katori or, or the Padma Vati? I haven't. Me and my mom have been wanting to go, but it's, yeah, I mean, going to Bangladesh just with us is a little daunting. We were hoping to go with the group at some point, but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ba Bangladesh can be a little bit of a dangerous place. Um, I, I can't remember the devotees that went there first, um, back when Srila Prabhupada was still here in the 1970s. But there was a group of three devotees. I think um, Brahmananda was one of them, perhaps. Um, do you know the story, Rasa? Vaguely, not well enough to tell it. <laughs> But I, I, I also remember it vaguely, but this is such a powerful thing um, because we were, we're talking about the chanting of the Holy Name and its incredible power um, and how anyone who takes shelter of this chanting gains so much from it. So these three devotees, they had full faith in Srila Prabhupada. They wanted to share this chanting uh, in Bangladesh, which at the time was sort of in a, a war zone. And they were in this bus and the army asked everyone to, to get off. And um, anyone who wasn't uh, from the Islam tradition, I think was getting shot in the head or something like that, something outrageous. And um, these three devotees were there and, and they were about to get executed. And uh, Brahmananda, I think it was Brahmananda, so don't quote me here, but he took out his beads and he was so happy. He was like, there's no better way to die than to be chanting and to be serving our, our spiritual teacher, Srila Prabhupada. And so the, the other two devotees got so enthused by that, that they also started very joyfully chanting. And the army um, lieutenants were so confused <laughs> seeing this, like they, they were so mind boggled. They're like, what? So <laughs> they, they just asked them to, to go back in the bus. So 
that's the power of the holy name one one little story <laughs> um thank you for letting us know where the padmavati river is um okay that evening the devotees spoke among themselves in hushed voices who is this Naratan the lord called for no one except Nityananda Prabhu could answer, but he remained silent. The following morning, the Kirtan party moved slowly along the sandy footpath, chanting and dancing as they sang the holy names. As they reached a clearing in the trees, the deep blue of the Padmavati River came into view. At the riverbank, Nityananda Prabhu turned to the devotees and stopped the kirtan. Watch carefully, he said. Something extraordinary is about to take place. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is going to place his divine love into the Padmavati River. Sometime in the future, this love will be given to a devotee named Narta. The devotees watched curiously as Sri Chaitanya stepped with his lotus feet into the water and slowly waded towards the river center. To their amazement, the placid river swelled with joy. Transformed by the Lord's touch, the water appeared to dance in glee, swirling and gurgling as it rose higher and higher. <laughs> I've got some fun memories here in the Lake District of um, we had a little stream when it, when I was living in Ambleside next to the house, and whenever it rained, the water became like a, a swirl pour. Um, it it was just overflowing and it began swirling, and it it's sort of like a little sort of pond um, that's got a little dam, and we'd like jump. And like just go around in a circle. So I can just imagine that happening around Lord Chaitanya. Um, within moments, the river overflowed with ecstasy, spilling over its banks and gushing onto the land. We've also experienced this during the, the Mayapur floods. <laughs> yes, indeed. The Ganga pouring over the road, filling up the temple room. Uh, it's quite an experience. Mm. All at once, an extraordinarily beautiful woman rose to the waves. She stood before Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu with folded palms. Her silken garments shimmered in the breeze, and her jeweled crown sparkled in the moon, in the morning sunlight. She asked humbly. My Lord, how can I serve you? O goddess of this river, Padmavati. Mahaprabhu said, I want to leave my transcendental property in your care. Please take my love and keep it with you until a devotee named Naratam bathes here. At that time, deliver this love to him. It's, it's such a beautiful thing. We, we see this in, in many different traditions, uh, many different religions, uh, many different cultures around the world, how so much respect is given to Mother Nature. And in the Bhakti tradition, um, some of these holy rivers 
had their own personality. And, and we see that in Krishna's pastimes um, as, as Radhikun appeared, all the different sacred rivers appear there to offer their water into Shamakund and later on into Radhikund. And um, yeah, these, these are sacred personalities that uh, can be pleased by our endeavors and can also get upset. <laughs> and then we get different um, natural catastrophes happening around the world. So that's a, a little lesson there. Um, let's see. Would you like to continue reading? I, th I think I've read for a good um, 30 minutes. <laughs> yes, my lord, she replied submissively. But how will I recognize Naratam? When a young, dark-complexioned boy who is filled with love of God enters your waters, causing them to surge and flood the land as they did today, you will know that is Naratam. But, my lord, she asked, if this boy has so much devotion that his touch will cause me to overflow with ecstasy, even before he has received your divine treasure, what will his condition be after receiving your love? Don't worry, the Lord interrupted. Naratam will sustain my love. When he comes, simply give my love to him. Quivering with joy, Padmavati Devi received Mahaprabhu's love, offered her obeisances, and disappeared into the receding waters. The devotees who observed this exchange stood transfixed, mouths agape, and eyes wide with astonishment. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu turned to them and said calmly, Begin Kirtan. News of this miraculous incident quickly spread throughout the land. Devotees everywhere waited eagerly for Naratam's appearance, each of them hoping for the opportunity to meet such a special devotee. That was the end of chapter one. You're on, You're on mute, Barl. <laughs> that was a lot quicker than I expected. <laughs> did indeed. How, what, how are we doing for time? We're doing good. We've got another um, 23 minutes. Did you want to um, say anything? I, I know I've spoken quite a lot. Did you want to summarize or did anything um, come to mind as, as we read chapter one? Yeah, I think we spoke about it a little bit already, but I mean, mostly what that reminds me of is just our situation now is, you know, passing the torch on, keeping the flame burning generation to generation. So yeah, I think we covered it a bit. Thank you, Rasa. Um, okay. I'll, I'll let you continue reading. <laughs> you want to read the Sanskrit here? Sure. Sankirta, Sankirta na nandaja mandahasya. Hasya is a nice word. It's laughter, I think. Yeah. Danta duty, dyotita din mukaya. Dweda shrudhara snapitaya tasmai. Namo. Namaha Srila Narutamaya. Do we know who, who's written the um, the Narutam Prabhura Ashtaka? I can't remember actually. Let, let me look it up whilst, whilst you read. Um, sure. 
I repeatedly offer my respectful obeisances to Shula Narutam Das Thakur, whose face is bathed in perspiration and torrents of tears due to the bliss of chanting the holy names. His gladdening smile and teeth shining illuminate all directions. We've got a, got a couple of kids in the background. <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm right next to the park. <laughs> they just came out of school. Um, so apparently it's written, or it's part of the Stavamrita Lahari of Sri Chakra Bhartipada. Um, I, I've never heard of him. Do, do you know who he is? Anyway. <laughs> I'm wondering if that's another name for Vishnu Chakravarti. Ah, yeah, that could be. Yeah. Can ask your mom. <laughs> All right. Should we continue? Yes. Chapter two. A youth. Is it? What is it called? A youth is born? Birth and youth? Ah, Birth and youth. Okay. A prince is born. The sun rose over the palm trees, illuminating the village of Ketru. As the warm rays streamed through the window of his palace, King Krishnananda Dutt sat silently worshipping. Picking up a handful of tulsi leaves, he gently placed them at the Lord's feet, thus completing his puja. Staring intently at the deity, bowing his head and folding his hands, he humbly pleaded, My dear Lord, if you so desire, Please bless our family by sending us a son. The king offered his obeisances and walked out onto the veranda. Surveying the capital of his small kingdom, his heart swelled with pride to see the well-kept village homes surrounded by gardens that overflowed with fruits, vegetables, and grains. What a paradise, he thought. The soil in Kateri is so fertile that practically anything grows here. Krishnananda's gaze swept the horizon. For as far as he could see, the courtyard was lush, the countryside was lush with banana, jackfruit, mango, and coconut palm trees, which spread their deep green foliage beneath a clear blue sky. Inhaling deeply, he savored the exquisite fragrances of the many varieties of flowers carried on the morning breeze. It's truly a blessing to rule over such opulence, he reflected. I have everything a man could want land, wealth, and a devoted wife. The Supreme Lord has certainly been kind to me. Yet, and the king's brow furrowed slightly, all these blessings cannot fill the void in my heart. Without a son, my home appears empty and lifeless. To whom shall I turn over my kingdom responsibilities when I am old? And how can I pacify my good wife Narayani, who suffers without a child to nurture? Krishnananda shook his head sadly. I know I am becoming too old to entertain such thoughts, but I cannot give up my desire for a son. Then sighing, he turned from the window. Well, I mustn't waste the day daydreaming. The Supreme Lord knows that my wife and I are anxious to have a child, but we must wait to see what he desires. Krishnananda sat alone in his chamber, reflecting on the affairs of the village. His thoughts were interrupted by a loud voice that echoed in the room. Soon you will be the father of a son named Naratam. This boy will shower the earth with love of God. Stunned, Krishnananda looked around himself to see who had spoken, but he found no one to match the extraordinary voice. 
Spellbound, he waited expectantly for the voice to continue, but nothing more was said. What? Am I in my right senses? He whispered to himself, doubting the reality of what he had heard. Did I really hear that voice, or was I merely dreaming? Am I a victim of delusion, imagining good news? Krishnananda shook himself. No, no, he assured himself emphatically. I definitely heard a voice. It was no dream. My eyes are open and I am fully conscious. What I heard could be nothing other than a divine prophecy. His heart leapt to think that his desire for a son might be fulfilled. He hurried to share the good news with his wife. A few days later, in the early morning, Narayani rushed into her husband's chamber, her face flushed with excitement. Prabhu, last night I dreamed that a, an extraordinary person came from your body and entered mine. There must be another omen that we will have a son. Krishnananda looked unsure. Your dream confirms the oracle I heard the other day, but don't raise your expectations too high. Whatever the Supreme Lord ordains, that we must accept. Yes, Prabhu, she said, and silently left the room. Despite her husband's advice, hope blossomed within her heart. Neither of them mentioned the omens again, but they couldn't stop their minds from dwelling on the prospect of having a child. Shortly after this incident, Krishnananda was relaxing in his chamber when an astrologer paid him an unexpected visit. Always a gracious host, Krishnananda welcomed him. Come in, friend. Make yourself comfortable. I'll have the servant bring you a cool drink. Then please let my wife and I hear something about our future. The learned Brahmana accepted the gracious hospitality, sipping his drink as he settled down, cross-legged on a cushion. Spreading some charts out before him, he silently made several complicated calculations. The king and queen waited anxiously. Suddenly, the astrologer gasped and smiled brightly. Oh, this is wonderful, he exclaimed. You will certainly have a son who will be a remarkable devotee of the Supreme Lord. He will have the power to destroy the world's miseries, and he will bring great happiness and good fortune to your family. Delighted by his words, Krishnananda showered the astrologer with gifts and bid him farewell. Now he and his wife felt certain that their long-cherished dream would come true. Narayani was soon pregnant. The elated couple waited impatiently for the months to pass, hardly able to think of anything other than their unborn child. Finally, at six o'clock in the morning on the full moon day of Mag, January, February, Narayani gave birth to a healthy male child. When the child appeared, an unearthly effulgence illuminated the delivery room and profound happiness swelled in the hearts of everyone present. Narayani gazed lovingly at the charming face of her son. Just see how beautiful he is, she exclaimed to the midwives. His features are exquisitely fine, and his eyes are like lotus petals. Embracing her child tightly, she wept with joy. One of the midwives rushed out of the room and announced the good news. Krishnananda beamed with delight and hurried to see his son. The musicians waiting in the palace courtyard for the birth announcement played celebratory music, and the village brahmanas loudly chanted auspicious Vedic hymns. News of the child's birth spread quickly. The residents of Kateri, having great affection for their Rajan Rani, which means king and queen to anyone who's aware, 
rushed to the palace with gifts for the newborn child. Everyone wanted a glimpse of the little prince. Though Krishnananda could barely take his eyes off his child's face, the proud father managed to welcome each visitor warmly. Amid this excitement, Narayanli suddenly saw the most beautiful resplendent figures enter her room. One of them was glowing like molten gold, and another had a creamy white complexion and wore brilliant blue garments. Amazed, Narayani sat up, staring with wide eyes at the extraordinary personalities dancing ecstatically in her home. Bewildered, she looked around, but no one else in the room seemed to notice the remarkable scene. When she turned again to look at the dancers, they had vanished. Narayani sank back in onto her pillow. Overcome with confusion, excitement, and fatigue, she thought, I must be imagining things. Unable to comprehend that the Supreme Lord himself, Shri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and his associates had blessed her home with their presence, she simply turned back to look at her son's face. In moments, she had forgotten everything else, feeling herself the most fortunate woman in the universe. Her heart overflowed with happiness and contentment. Do you want to read a little bit? You're on mute. <laughs> on mute. <laughs> no, I was just saying, it looks like the uh, Kirtan party is happening behind you. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's something going down at the Ganga. <laughs> the uh, Makari, Makara Sankranti pujas. <laughs> okay. When all the visitors had left, Krishnananda made arrangements for an eight-day celebration. Calling his servants, he declared, I want huge quantities of clothing, blankets, utensils, and prasada to be given to all the people of Keturi, especially the sadhus and brahmanas. Spare no expense. Everyone should feel satisfied and happy. The child will thus receive everyone's blessings. I, I wanted to uh, comment on a few things, uh, if that's okay. Um, in the beginning of the chapter, when, when Rasa was reading, we're, we're reading about how um, the, the earth at that time was full of different kinds of fruit trees and different fields and how lush everything was and um, sort of living in, in uh, abundance. And that's sort of um, what happens when, at least according to the Bhagavatam, when, when there's good leadership, when, you, when we're not taking more than we need, then there's always plenty for everyone. But what I found really interesting as well was that even though the king had everything, he was still unhappy. So it's just, just another little lesson for the material world that we can have everything, <laughs> but there's always going to be something missing. So anyway, Nartam is born and now they're, they're sort of um, celebrating his birthday. And, and it's just another interesting concept from the Bhakti tradition uh, here in, uh, in the West. When it's our birthday, we expect everyone to give us gifts. But um, in, the, in the Bhakti tradition, when um, it's your birthday, then you are the one that, that gives gifts to everyone and you try to feed everyone. And, you try to make sure that everyone's happy so that you get so many blessings. 
So that's that's a very beautiful thing here. Um, so soon after, Krishnananda called a few local pundits to calculate the child's astrological chart to recommend a suitable name. After carefully studying the chart, the astrologers agreed it was extraordinary, extraordinarily auspicious. This is definitely not the chart of an ordinary person, one of them announced. We can also understand this simply by looking at the auspicious signs on the child's body. Yes, another astrologer agreed. This child will have the good qualities and be extremely religious. He will bring great fortune to everyone in this region. Glowing with both pride and happiness, Krishnananda asked, what shall we name him? The pundits discussed at length and eventually concluded, we all agree the boy's name should contain one or more of the syllables na, ra, and ta. This is interesting in astrology, um, depending on what time of the year you're born, um, each constellation that surrounds the moon um, sort of has um, a part of the alphabet that they rule over. I don't know if that's the, the right way to express it, but um, because of the time that Naratam was born, then it was recommended um, that his name should start with Na. We think that Naratam... Zerbal, I just wanted to ask, yeah. do you were you named that way or um so i don't know if if my mom did that but i have looked at my astrology and it says actually i i've gotten mixed reviews so one astrologer <laughs> said that my name needs to start with b and then someone someone else said that uh devarshi i don't know if you remember him said that my my name should start with v so i was like okay <laughs> well that that uh you know b and v especially in bengal is the same thing <laughs> yeah it's, it's pretty close <laughs> how about you uh, yeah um my mom had a list of names and the syllables were ra and ni i think so she just rasarani was on her list already so she thought oh great perfect <laughs> that's perfect <laughs> How about you, Padmakshi or Vanda and Yuvraj? Did you um, get that? You can leave us a little comment in the in the chat if you did your astrology before you're born. Um, <laughs> we think Naratam would be a most suitable name because Nara means man. We know that from Narasimha, half man, half lion, and Uttama means topmost. It is clear from this boy's chart that he will indeed be the greatest of men. That's sort of um, that's sort of a, a tall order for Nartan to live up to <laughs> with a name like that. Um, well, yeah, and I think you find like you know Mahabharat and like other Vedic stories. They have they always have such a humor when they name their kids. You know. Because sometimes you find that like they'll name the eldest child and then the next child is like the little one of, you know, the, like the same name, but like the little one or, you know, stuff like that is very interesting. So like, they sometimes the have these very like direct <laughs> names. 
the greatest of men. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, I, I was just, because um, I love comedy. So uh, a few comedians were saying that the worst thing you can do before an act is to have someone introduce you as the greatest comedian because that really ruins the whole the whole thing because then you have to live up to that and then people start getting a little bit skeptical they're like oh yeah you, you think you're the great <laughs> but um but in our times uh case he he was um he was he had a special mission which we'll read about splendid krishnananda exclaimed i'm sure he was very happy with that name <laughs> How amazing it is, he said softly to his wife, that these astrologers have chosen the same name the oracle predicted before the child's conception. Turning to the astrologers, the king said, now tell me what else you see in his chart. <laughs> I like this whole thing around oracles. It, it kind of makes the whole story a little bit more mystical. There's sort of that that prophecy element to it, isn't it? <laughs> um, each astrologer then gave an enthusiastic interpretation of the chart, describing in detail various aspects of the boy's character and destiny. One of the panditas, however, warned, Majumdara, I must caution you. I, I guess Majumdara is another name for the, uh, the king. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I guess so. Okay. I must caution you that there is one thing to watch out for. Be careful when you take your son to the river. It could be dangerous for him there. The, the sort of a, anyway, no, I won't say it. There's a, a little bit of an inside joke here, but um, say it another time. Raja Krishnananda shivered at the thought of any possible danger to his son and firmly resolved that although he lives a short distance from the Padmavati River, he would keep Naratam away from the water. Six months passed swiftly as Krishnananda and Narayani dotted on their growing child, who was the joy of their lives. Krishnananda sent our invitations inscribed on golden plates to all his friends and relatives inviting them to attend the baby's Anaprashna ceremony at which Narutam would be offered his first grains. So th this, is, this is an interesting thing uh, with the Anaprashna ceremony. So it's said that um, in our life, we're going to have various samskaras, uh, which translated literally means impressions. There's so many impressions that we can have. And so, a lot of those impressions are, are going to be bad. There's going to be a lot of struggles in life, but at least we want to start off the child's life with some really auspicious and, and really great, um, hopefully really loving impressions. So these ceremonies, the whole village would come together, the family would come together, and it was sort of a, a nice loving exchange with the child and that would create an impression that would last their lifetime. Did you have an, an, an Anaprashna ceremony, Yasa? I did um, in Vrindavan at Vrindakund. Wow. Um, Dina Bandha Prabhu gave me my first grains. 
Um, and it was uh, because it was such a long time ago. The old old Dee of Brenda Davy, she was like reddish in color. Um, she eventually she got stolen um, some years after that, and now they have this new beautiful deity um, in front of them. But yeah, I I have pictures of it, and I have really vague memories of it somehow. <laughs> I, I pretty much can't remember anything before I was four. It was just completely blank. Anyway, uh, I, I also had an Anaprashna, but no recollection. <laughs> you know who gave your first grant to you? I think it was, um, I, know, I know that Jayapataka Maharaj chanted like the mantras whilst I was in the womb, but I think the, the Anaprashna was just like the local um, Brahmin in Bolivia. <laughs> yeah. um, at the ceremony, guests and family members gathered around the infant, eager to watch him taste his first rice. But to everyone's dismay, the child refused to open his mouth. They coaxed him again and again, but Naratam repeatedly turned his head away in disgust. The guests looked at each other nervously and the festive mood was replaced with confusion. No one knew what to do. <laughs> I, li I like Naruto. He's a sort of a rebellious child. <laughs> then one thoughtful Brahmana stepped forward and reassured everyone, don't worry. This baby won't eat the sweet rice because it hasn't first been offered to Lord Krishna. I sort I sort of forgot this this little bit of the pastime, and I was thinking that it might be because it was a kadashi. <laughs> <laughs> no, it must have been he couldn't see a Tulsi leaf from there, so right. he knew it was a Melbourne. <laughs> I wish I had that mindset. So, um, sometimes I eat boga. <laughs> um, <clears throat> realizing they had somehow forgotten to offer the food. Krishnananda quickly placed it on the altar. Then once again, his mother offered Naratam a spoonful. Hold on a second. Naratam was howled when he rejected this rice? Uh, well, he would have been under one years old. That's, that's pretty crazy. Like We can already see the level of his consciousness when he was a couple of months old. Wow. OK. <laughs> um, where are we? Let me just read that paragraph again. Realizing they had somehow forgotten to offer the food, Krishnananda quickly placed it on the altar. Then once again, his mother offered Naratam a spoonful. To everyone's relief, the child happily devoured the rice. Happy days? Krishnananda mused for generations. Worship of the Supreme Lord has been customary in our family. This child, although still so young, is already teaching us to be more mindful of our religious duties. Then Krishnananda announced, my son should be given only the Lord's Mahaprasad from now on. Hey Rasa, quick question. So um, nowadays religion has sort of a bad connotation what, what's another word we could use for religious duties here? 
spiritual is another word everyone replaces spiritual. religion with nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> you basically do the same thing, but uh, you just change the words. <laughs> yeah, and actually, you know, I think like religious duties usually more follow under fall under piety, like doing, you know, the basic human things that make you a good human being, you know. <laughs> So it's like it's actually less spiritual than most people think you know doing those kind of like things in general but i mean in this instance he's more referring to direct spiritual like activities that you know eating mantrashad and things like that yeah it's it's interesting because um actually i think we've gone over time now we're two minutes over time but we'll, we'll just finish on this this point um, I'm actually just editing a little um, interview with my mentor, uh, Bhutta Bhavana, and um, his lovely wife. Um, and they, they have this whole podcast around personality types, understanding one's nature. And so the, the word I think that is used here for religion is, is dharma, which is sort of understanding our nature. So everything has a nature. Um, and the king's nature is of course to take care of the citizens but also to um repay those debts back to the the, the the supreme lord whether you believe in god or a higher power or um the government whoever it is that we we're always we always owe ourselves um wait <laughs> we always owe the supreme lord everything that's in our lives so so that's part of um one's duties is to offer gratitude for everything that we've received in life um sorry for mumbling there <laughs> i hope that made sense and we want to thank everyone as well for for joining us um thank you padmakshi thank you bandan thank you yuvraj really appreciate you coming uh on board in this book club and um Let's see, was, was there any comments? I wasn't really looking. Thank you for a great session, Balaram Rasa. Thank you, Yuvraj. Um, Bandan, yes, it is common in our family to check what letter the name should start with. They did check, and now I'm Bandan. Very nice, <laughs> great to hear that. Um, ah, yeah, very sweet Braj name. Thank you, Yuvraj. Um, Okay. Any uh, concluding words, Rasa? No. See you next week. <laughs> so what's what's the? Uh, we said earlier on that we have a very exciting announcement to make. Oh yes, season. yes, that's right. <laughs> um, my mom, Sitala uh, Dasi, the author of his book, uh, has agreed to come on next week, um, either Thursday or Tuesday. I'm not sure. I think you'll decide, Balaram, and we'll, I guess, have a little interview with her. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm super excited about that because um, I've, I've never really asked her anything about the book. I think I was too young back in 2008 when she was first reading it. I was just sort of, uh, you know, playing Madanga, eating prasada, and just <laughs> chilling about. <laughs> and um, no, now I'm happy to, like, um, have more interest in our Tom Das Thakur's life and try to go a little bit more deep. Um, so I'm really, really excited to, to have her. I think it might make more sense to have her on Thursday, just so that we have more time to um, 
prepare any questions. And, and also, if you have any questions for her, you can write them um, to creativesangha.gmail.com and we can ask her those questions. We can also do that as a live session. Um, but anyway, we, we can discuss this off, off the, um, the book club. Thank you all so much. See you soon. I'll see you on Tuesday. On Tuesday.